0: Good to see you this morning. Hope you got a bulletin. I want to encourage you to get out your bulletin. There are some notes in there, and I uh, always want to encourage you to fill in the blanks. And if you have your Bible, I always encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 8. We'll be looking at that passage today. The scripture will be up on the screen, but it's always good to parallel your Bible as well. So I just want to take a minute and just personally say thanks to all the families who paid the ultimate sacrifice for this country. I'm one of those guys, I, I did not take the opportunity to serve in, our, in, the, in the military, but when I see a flag go by or I see the veterans walk by, I always have a tear in my eye, I'm so thankful for the men and women who have served this country and some who have given the ultimate price. And I know on Memorial Day we're to remember those who have fallen in, in service, I understand that. But I almost always recognize the veterans, and the veterans will always tell me, this weekend's not about us. And I know that. But the fact that you were willing to serve and you were willing to lay down your life means something to me. And so I want to take just a minute. Let's say, if you're a veteran, if you don't mind standing, all the veterans, if you'll stand for just a minute. Appreciate you, and I want to take a minute and just pray for the families that have, again, given the ultimate uh, sacrifice for our country. I also just want to remember, I know this doesn't have to do with Memorial Day, but the families down in Texas that have gone through this unbelievable tragedy, I just want us to take a minute and just pray for them, and I I, I just can't wrap my mind around walking through that and, and the darkness they're in. But one of the verses i think about quite often in life because it seems like i'm always up against things that are just hard to imagine i think back in exodus 2020 20, where it says moses went into the thick darkness where god was and it seems so unusual because god is light and in him is no darkness but the fact that moses went into that thick darkness where god was reminds me that when we're in our most difficult hours, when we're in our time of, of deepest grief and suffering and darkness, God is there. So I just want us to take a minute and just uh, thank God for our families who uh, gave a loved one in service, but also I just wanna remember these uh, families down in Texas. Can we do that? Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for a, a weekend that we can celebrate this amazing country. And Lord, we certainly have our flaws, but I'm thankful for the men and women who paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. And I just thank you for the families left behind and just pray that you would just love on them in a special way. And Father, we also remember these families who have lost, Lord, through this school tragedy. And God, I pray in only a way that you can. I don't even understand, God, how you can show up and just wrap your arms around them in the middle of their suffering, that Lord, your grace can be sufficient. So I pray that your grace would be sufficient in each of these families, each of these uh, family members who have lost a loved one. And Father, just love on them in a special way and help them to know that, that people are praying for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's great to see you. We're continuing our series in the book of Hebrews. And again, one of the basic questions, I think, in the book of Hebrews is Jesus enough? I mean, in life, when things are getting tough, is Jesus enough? And I think the writer of Hebrews is saying yes, because they are facing some really difficult times, and they're all kind of at a fork in the road. Now understand he's writing to Jewish believers who grew up Jewish. They grew up understanding Judaism, and they came to know Christ, and many of them are thinking about going back to Judaism. And and, and certainly in in the natural realm, we can understand that because Judaism was accepted by the Roman government, and they could go back to Judaism and not face the persecution. But the Christian religion was not accepted, and to stay a Christian, to stay committed to Christ, meant suffering, imprisonment, it meant loss of job. I mean, it really meant some tough times. But the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage them, Jesus is enough. Don't go back to Judaism, don't go back to the easy, what seems like the easy road, but keep your eyes on Jesus. And if there's ever a book of the Bible, and by the way, every book of the Bible, every time I'm in a book of the Bible, it always seems relevant. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it always seems relevant. But the book of Hebrews, so relevant today with all the craziness going on around us, and people say, "Well, what, what are we going to do as Christians? I tell you, we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus, or we're going to stress out. Got to keep your eyes on Jesus. So the book of Hebrews, so relevant for today. And the verse that we've kind of looked at each week is Hebrews 13, 22. First time I went through Hebrews many, many years ago, this verse kind of stood out because in the writer's own words, he says this, I call on you brothers and sisters, listen patiently to this message of exhortation and encouragement I have written to you briefly. So by the, the writer's own words, he says the book of Hebrews is a message of encouragement. And if there's one thing we need today, it's encouragement. And I mentioned in chapter 3, he says, encourage one another daily. We all need encouragement. And so again, they were facing some tough times. But I love in chapter 12, what he's going to say, keep your eyes on Jesus. And so again, if your eyes get off to everything going on around you, it can literally be very, very stressful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep walking ahead. And in essence, the writer's saying, burn all those bridges. Don't go back to the old way. Because it really never produced any positive things. And so the writer is encouraging them. And we've talked about how everything in the law, everything in the Old Testament, was a shadow pointing people to Christ. Now, a couple weeks ago, Bob showed a shadow of me. How many of you were here that day? All right. It actually was quite flattering, really, because I went and looked in the mirror, and I thought something has changed, something But anyway, so I've had Bob on the back of my radar, and so this week I've got a shadow of Bob, all right? And so I I text Bob last night, I said, I'm going to show your shadow today, all right? So I kind of thought about how would I show Bob's shadow, and I thought I'm going to show the one part of him that everybody would identify. And so this is the shadow of Bob, because every time you see a shadow, what does that tell you? There's a substance, all right? There, every time you see a shadow, you know the shadow's not the real thing, but it's reminding you that there is a real thing. And so here was my, I thought I captured perfectly Bob's shadow. How many of you are ready to see it, all right? How many of you don't really care, but you gotta see it anyway, because it's in my slideshow, all right? So this is my capture of Bob's shadow, right here. There it is. If you know Bob, he's, he, somehow that phone is stuck to his hand. I mean, I'm not sure. I think when he goes to bed, the phone's in his hand. He texts me 12.30 at night. Are you up? Texts me at 5.30 in the morning. Are you awake? Bob, go to sleep. So anyway, I just want to capture some of the shadows, some of the moments that I've captured Bob with a cell phone, all right? So during church, while I'm preaching, he's back there on his cell phone. While we're in staff meeting, he's on his cell phone. Even in the prayer room, when we're praying, Bob's on his cell phone. And I shouldn't show this next picture. You might want to close your eyes. But even in the restroom, he's on his cell phone. Twice, twice, we've been standing at the urinal. I look, oh, he's on his cell phone. I'm about like, Bob, put the phone down. Don't hit FaceTime, whatever you're doing. One of my favorite all-time Bob stories He's been he's been watching Hannah all week because Joy had the opportunity to go to Florida, and I'm, I'm we're so thankful she was able to get away. But but for for her to leave Hannah in Bob's care, I'm not sure, not sure. <laughs> well, we've been praying for Hannah. But they're sitting on the couch, Bob and Hannah sitting on the couch. Bob, I know it's hard to believe, Bob has his cell phone, and so they're trying to he's trying to spend some daddy daughter time. He's on the cell phone, and only a way that Hannah could, Hannah looks over at him on his cell phone and says. Hannah says to Bob, you busy? <laughs> in other words, I think she was saying, this is my time. I will always remember that. By the way, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but if you get a chance, text Bob this week, text Bob, and just two words, you busy, put a question mark. <laughs> Let's all text him. He was late to staff meeting one time. This is probably too much information. He was late to staff meeting, so all the staff called him at the same time. He gets in there about 10 minutes later, he says, hey, I, I got everybody's call, but, but I was in the middle of prayer and I couldn't answer. But anyway, he always has a comeback. But anyway, so Bob Caldwell, we appreciate Bob. But again, the writer is saying in Hebrews 10:1 that everything, the law of the Old Testament is merely a shadow of Christ. And when you understand that, it really helps studying the Old Testament, because again, the Old Testament is still good. Everything in the Old Testament, whether it's the Law of Moses, the Prophets, uh, the Psalms, they all point to Jesus. And every time you find a shadow, you know there's a substance. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that Christ is the substance. So again, okay to study the Old Testament, but when you're studying the Old Testament, you know what it's always gonna do 100% of the time? It's gonna point you to Jesus. And so Jesus is the substance of, of the Old Testament. I love how Paul says in Colossians 2:10, you are complete in Christ. Everything they've always looked for in the Old Testament, we get to enjoy in Christ because He is the fulfillment of everything written in the Old Testament. Just want to give you one verse that we looked at. And so all the law, the prophets, everything are in the shadow of Christ all right that helps me kind of wrap my mind around it in uh, luke 24 jesus said this after his resurrection just before he ascended into heaven and the disciples were a little bit confused of why he had to suffer why he had to die why he rose from the grave they still cannot wrap their mind around the messiah suffering and so jesus says this to them before he ascends into heaven jesus said to them this is what i told you while i was still with you Everything which has been written about me in the law of Moses, in the writings of the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. He said, the reason I told you about this and you guys weren't listening, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms had to be fulfilled. And so I just want you to know that when you're studying the Old Testament, 100% of the fulfillment came in Christ. And so when you have Christ, you don't have to go back to the shadow because you have the substance. You have the real deal. Man, we are so blessed. And so the writer's saying to these readers, don't go back. Why would you go back? And so he's encouraging them. And one of the things he's been doing in the middle of the book of Hebrews is comparing Jesus' priesthood to that of the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament. Now for us, The idea of a priesthood is a little foreign because I didn't grow up with that concept. But the readers who he is writing to grew up under Judaism. They understood how important the priests were because the priests offered daily sacrifices on behalf of the people. Once a year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and represented the people before God. Can you imagine only once a year you getting represented before God? Once a year, the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies. And so they understood how important the priesthood was. But in the writer of Hebrews, he compares Jesus' priesthood to that of Melchizedek. We talked about that last week. And so Melchizedek was kind of like a shooting star. I mean, again, if you've seen a shooting star, you have to be looking at the right moment because it comes out of nowhere, goes nowhere, and again, it's not really a star, but it's a meteor, but we call it a shooting or falling star, and so I I showed you this last week. How many of you saw that? All right? You had to be looking. If you blinked or looked down, you missed it. I'm going to slow it down as I did last week. All right? Still hard to see, right? So I'm going to stop it as I did last week. Melchizedek. He's a really interesting character. All right, only appears once in the book of Genesis and one other time in the entire Old Testament, only twice. I mean, we know very little about him. We we don't know where he came from. We don't know where he went. He just appears on the scene, and yet the Bible compares Jesus, his priesthood, to that of Melchizedek, really, really interesting interesting stuff. So a thousand years after he appears in Genesis, and if you remember from last week, he met Abraham as he was coming back from battle. He brought out bread and wine, which is certainly A reminder of Jesus he blessed Abraham and the Bible says Abraham gave him a tithe so the first time we find Melchizedek he appears out of nowhere he blesses Abraham he brings out bread and wine and then he disappears and we don't hear anything else about him a thousand years later after that account David is writing Psalms 110 In Psalms 110, God gave David a messianic psalm. It's a psalm about the coming Messiah. And this is what David wrote about the coming Messiah. He says part of this, and by the way, I mentioned last week, Psalms 110 is the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. A psalm about the coming Messiah. And part of it is here in verse 4, I believe, the Lord has sworn and will not relent He's talking about the coming Messiah, about Jesus. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so out of nowhere, David, a thousand years after he appears on earth, he says about the coming Messiah, you're going to be a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so I mentioned uh, last week, was he actually a Canaanite king-priest? Or was he a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus? I said I was going to say last Wednesday night. I I want to be real honest. I've been on both sides. I have. I've been on both sides. And I know I was right when I was on both sides. And now you say, what what do I believe now? I don't know. If somebody comes to me with scriptures about him being Jesus, I say, "That, that sounds right. That sounds right. Somebody comes to me saying, man, I don't think it was Jesus. That sounds right. I don't know. But we know that Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek. By the way, Melchizedek came on the scene way before the Levitical priesthood even existed. So he was a priest before there were the 12 tribes of Israel. Again, he comes on the scene out of nowhere. He disappears out of nowhere. So I'm not really sure, but I want to encourage you guys, man, to research. It's just fun to research it and to look at this Melchizedek because the writer of Hebrews says we need to consider how great this guy was. Even though he only appeared for just a moment, the writer of Hebrews says we need to just think about how great that he was. And even God would compare the priesthood of Jesus to that of Melchizedek. And so we mentioned last week the differences between the Levitical priesthood and the priesthood of Melchizedek are Jesus. Obviously, the Levitical priesthood, you had to prove your genealogy. Only those from the tribe of Levi could be a priest under the Old Testament. By the way, and even though we don't have that concept today, I was ref in basketball a couple years ago. Two or three years ago, I was a referee in kindergarten. I love kindergartners. I mean, it is basketball in slow motion. I mean, we just walked to one side, we walked to the other. I mean, it was just kind of walking back and forth. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the game where I was reffing, one of the little kids looked up and he recognized me. Because I, I had my ref shirt on, I had my whistle. I mean, I looked official. But all of a sudden, in the middle of the game, he looked up and he recognized me. And he, he tugs on my pant leg. Right in the middle of the game, tugs on my pant leg, and he looks up at me and says, I know who you are. I said, who am I? He said, you're my priest. I said, no, I, didn't, I said, that's right, let's play ball. But the idea of a priest. So Jesus was not from the tribe of Levi. Matter of fact, the writer is gonna say here, if he were on earth, he could not be a priest because he was not from the tribe of Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. But he was after the order of Melchizedek. His priesthood is greater. And so the Levitical priests, they received tithes, according to the Bible, but they paid tithes through Abraham to Melchizedek. Number three, the Levitical priesthood, as we've already said, was based on genealogy. You could not be a priest if you were not from the tribe of Levi. Jesus, his priesthood was based on an oath by God. Psalms 110, the Lord has sworn. So his priesthood is greater because it was on an oath from God. Number four, the old covenant was an inferior covenant. The new uh, covenant is a superior covenant. The old covenant, they had temporary ministry, and the reason was they died. So a high priest would come, a high priest would go. Priests would come, priests would go. The thing that prevented them from continuing to minister is death. But Jesus is a high priest that lives forevermore. He never dies. His priesthood is superior. And as the writer keeps talking to these readers, why would you go back to a system that never did accomplish much? That was a good system. God gave the system. But the old covenant was never, ever meant to take away sin, it only covered it up until the next sacrifice. All right? So the old covenant had endless sacrifices, the new covenant, one sacrifice, and that was the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. All the endless sacrifices that they would give, again, never did away with the sin problem, only covered it till the next sacrifice. But Jesus, when he died one time, not only forgave, but the Bible says he chose to forget that one sacrifice forever has taken care of the sin problem. Why would you go back to a system that never took care of the sin problem? Doesn't make any sense. Again, Under the Levitical system, number seven, it would never remove sin. But under Jesus and his high priest, that one sacrifice took care of sin forever. And if it didn't, Jesus would have to come back every year and die. The reason he only came once and he died once is because that one sacrifice forever took care of sin. Man, we have something to be thankful for, we really do. In the old covenant, people were always at a distance. They had depended on the priest to go into God's presence on their behalf. Once a year, the high priest could go in the Holy of Holies. They couldn't go in. And I was was that boy growing up when you told me not to, I wanted to. You guys probably weren't like that. But if I were back then, if I lived back then, I probably would have been zapped because I probably would have went and looked under the veils. Why can't I go back there? But only once a year, the high priest could go on your behalf. But under the new covenant, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. 24-7, our high priest is standing before the Father, interceding on our behalf. We are so blessed. We are so incredibly blessed. So let's get to Hebrews 8. That was all just review. That was all review. All right? So hopefully the flight won't take long. We're going to look at a lot of scripture here in Hebrews 8. But I want to encourage you guys when you get home to reread it. So in chapter 8, he says, now this is the main point of the things that we are saying. So he's going to summarize what they've been talking about with the different priesthood, all right? We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. So he says here, first of all, we have a superior high priest. Back in the old covenant, only the high priest could go in once a year. Our high priest is forever in the presence of the Father and forever representing us. What an advantage. And I love how he says that our high priest is seated next to the Father. You know, if you go back and study the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament, did you realize there were no seats inside of the tabernacle or inside the Holy of Holies? The priests could not sit down inside of the tabernacle or inside the Holy of Holies. And the reason they couldn't sit down is their work was never finished. Because sin was never taken care of. But our high priest, Jesus, when he died on the cross, took care of the sin problem. And when he ascended into heaven, the Bible says, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. The reason he's able to sit down is, it's finished! There is no more work for our high priest. It's done once and for all. Why would these readers want to go back to a system that could never take care of the sin problem? Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. All right. So he goes on. Not only do we have a superior high priest, but he operates in a better sanctuary. All right, And so the writer goes on to say, For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer uh, the gifts according to the law. Now someone met me after the 930 service and says, why could he not be a priest if he was down on earth? You gotta remember the priest under the old covenant had to be from the tribe of Levi. He's under a new covenant and his covenant is not based on genealogy, but it's based on an oath from God the Father. And so he could not have been a priest under the old covenant because he did not come from the tribe of Levi. But what tribe did he come from? Judah, all right? We talked about that, all right? And so it goes on to say here, The Old Testament, they serve as a copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Think about how cool this is. So God takes Moses up on the mountain. He says to Moses, he peels back and lets Moses see the true sanctuary in heaven. And he says, I want you to build the tabernacle on earth as a shadow of the real sanctuary, the real tabernacle in heaven. And so when you think about Moses building the tabernacle, and the Bible goes into great detail, everything about the tabernacle was right according to what he saw of the true sanctuary. Now the old priests, they operated under the tabernacle, which was a mere shadow of the real sanctuary in heaven. Let me picture it this way. So Moses was able to see the real sanctuary based on that, He built the tabernacle. And I love how the writer here says that the tabernacle was a copy and shadow of the heavenly. Everything that Moses built, it was built as a copy and a shadow of the real sanctuary. And so again, I like studying the tabernacle, but we can study the true sanctuary where Jesus, our high priest, is ministering in a better sanctuary. He's ministering in the real sanctuary in heaven. I mean, everything about the new covenant, it just keeps getting better and better. And as the country preacher said, gooder and gooder. I mean, it just keeps, I mean, the writer keeps talking about how much more superior Jesus is than everything under the old covenant. And number three, not only do we have a superior high priest, not only do we have a better sanctuary, but the new covenant is based on better promises. Listen to what he says here in uh, beginning in verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with him, he says. And so the writer's going to quote from Jeremiah 31, where God gave Jeremiah a word saying God is going to replace the old covenant. And the reason God's going to replace the old covenant, it could never, ever take care of sin. And so all the way back in Jeremiah, God said, I'm going to ultimately give you a new covenant, a new deal. all right, And so as he's quoting from Jeremiah, he says this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And so he says, I'm going to provide a new covenant. God knew all along the old covenant was never going to take care of the sin problem. And so even back in Jeremiah, God says, I'm going to make a new covenant. You know, last week we celebrated communion. I just want to remind you, when Jesus celebrated communion that first time with his disciples I love how the Bible says Jesus said to his disciples record here in first Corinthians 11 this cup is the new what is the new covenant uh, ratified and established in my blood do this as often as you drink it in affectionate remembrance of me and so Jesus says, we're celebrating communion we're celebrating the new covenant We're celebrating the new covenant that was ratified and established by the sacrifice of Christ. That's why communion should never become routine. Because we're celebrating the ultimate gift that God has given us. Verse 9 of chapter 8. It says, "Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day which I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, I disregarded them," says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days," says the Lord, "I will put my laws in their mind, I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God." God knew that man could not live up to his standard in his own strength. And so even back in Jeremiah, God says, I'm going to put my spirit inside of them and cause them to walk in my ways. We have not only God dwelling among us, we have God living inside of us through his spirit. Can you imagine the Old Testament saints who look forward to the ultimate sacrifice? I mean, they could only dream about going into the presence of God 24-7. But they could never go into the presence of God. They were always dependent on the priest because the sin problem was never taken care of. Warren Wiersbe, who's a great uh, theologian, he's connected with the uh, Moody Institute. He's an internationally known speaker, writer, and uh, he pastored Moody Church uh, back in the 70s for about seven years or so. But Wiersbe says this about, uh, in his commentary. It's unfortunate that many Christians think they are saved by grace but then must fulfill their Christian life according to the Old Testament law. And so again, you can't go back to the law and again accomplish anything because it never could produce life. Wiersbe goes on to say this, it is by yielding to the Holy Spirit within that we fulfill the righteousness of the law. And this is holy of grace. I want to tell you, we cannot in the flesh ever, ever meet up to God's standard. And so God is challenging us to walk in the Spirit and allow His Spirit to enable us to walk in grace. Verse 10 of chapter 8. And they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I want to give you some really good news again. In the old covenant, you depended on the priest to go to God on your behalf. In the new covenant, you don't have to go through the pastor. You don't have to go through anybody. You go straight to the high priest. You have that right because Jesus died. I love how the Bible calls us a priesthood of believers. You have access to God, and you don't need to go through anybody. What a beautiful, beautiful promise. And then he goes on to say, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Under the first covenant, never took care of the sin problem. Under the second covenant, he says, I will forgive and choose to not remember. We are so, so very blessed. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let me read that last verse in the Amplified Bible. It says this. When God speaks of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And whatever is becoming obsolete, out of use, annulled, and growing old, is ready to disappear. As the writer was writing to these Uh, Jewish believers, the temple was still standing as he was writing. But he's saying there's coming a day when it's going to be done away with. It's going to disappear. And within a few years, the Romans came down under Titus and literally destroyed the temple, and it has not been standing ever since. But they don't need the temple anymore. They don't need the sacrifices anymore. They don't need the high priest to go in once a year because under the new covenant, our high priest, once and for all, died for us and took care of the sin problem. So, going back again, thinking about the Old Covenant, the Holy of Holies, it was behind the veil. Access to the average person was denied. They were dependent on the high priest to go behind that veil once a year. But the writer of Hebrews is saying it's about ready to vanish away. That Old Covenant's about ready to vanish away. And we know in AD 70, again, the Romans came down and literally flattened the temple. If you go to Israel today you'll go to a place called the Western Wall which they would believe was kind of the outer wall of the temple but you can't go in the the temple has been destroyed hasn't been rebuilt in 2,000 years all right so they destroyed it which the writer of Hebrews said was going to happen so let me conclude with two slides first of all again under the Old Covenant sin was a problem sin always kept the people at a distance from God always And even though they offered up tens of thousands of sacrifices, all of these sacrifices never took care of the sin problem, only covered it till the next sacrifice. And so in the old covenant, God was always at a distance. Access to God was denied. And again, it was a system that did not work very well. But my last slide, under the new covenant, the sin problem is taken care of. Under that one sacrifice of Christ dying on the cross, sin was taken care of, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, and now all of a sudden, everyone has access to God. I love how the Bible says in Hebrews 7, we talked about it last week, Jesus always lives to make intercession for you. For the last 2,000 years, Our high priest, who ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of high, he ever lives to make intercession for you. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you're stressed out, I just want you to know that he's making intercession on your behalf. When you're going through the struggles and the craziness of life, know that he ever lives. He's always standing before the Father, representing us before the Father. He ever lives to make intercession. What a high priest. But not only do we have that kind of a high priest, we also, I love several places in Hebrews, Hebrews 4 here says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Come boldly. And the old covenant, nobody could approach God, it wasn't allowed. But under the new covenant, because of better sacrifice, we have a superior high priest who's ministering in a better sanctuary, a heavenly sanctuary. It's based on better promises. He encourages us to come boldly to God's throne. Isn't that pretty amazing that we have total access to God? And it has nothing to do with us, it has everything to do with Jesus. That's why the writer says, Don't go back. Why would you go back? Stay with Christ. And I just want to encourage you as we're facing the craziness in our country, I just want to encourage you to stay true to God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I believe that we're living in such an amazing time that the light of God and the love of God can shine forth in our life. Let's stand together. I think I've done this every week that I've got to share in Hebrews, but I want to do it again. And maybe everybody here today has accepted Christ. They've accepted that, that gift of eternal life. But maybe there's one person here today that's not honestly sure that if you were to die today, that you would spend an eternity in heaven because your sins have been taken care of. I want to pray a prayer out loud. I wanna encourage everybody to pray the prayer, even though you may have prayed it many years ago, you're a born again believer on your way to heaven. I just wanna encourage everybody to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming down to earth, taking on an earth suit, living a sinless life and dying for my sin. Thank you for that sacrifice. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to encourage you to tell a couple people on your way out. There's something about acknowledging him before men. Jesus said, if you don't acknowledge me before men, I won't acknowledge you before the Father. So I hope you'll find a few people. Grab me on the way out. Just say, I prayed that prayer for the first time. We just want to rejoice with you. And I want to tell you, we have an amazing high priest. We are so blessed to live under the new covenant. And so I hope as we go through our week, and I know some of you may be traveling over the Memorial Day weekend, we just want you to be safe. Hopefully you get some family time. I think that's always special, but hopefully all of us can be an encouragement to those around us and just point everyone to Jesus. So I want to just have just a moment if you're here today and and maybe you prayed that prayer and you just want to slip out and come and say, I prayed that prayer for the first time. Or maybe you're visiting and this is where God is leading you to join and to plug in. We invite you to come. But if not, just right where you are as a priest of God, I just want you to go to your high priest. And would you just thank him for ever living to make intercession for you? So let's take a moment and just kind of build an altar right where we are. And let's just love on Jesus as he's loving on the Father on our behalf. If you need to slip out and come, you come as David plays softly. love you guys. I want to encourage you guys. Brett and Abby, this is their last Sunday here. uh, Brett will be here Wednesday night. i want to encourage you at some point just to reach out, just encourage them and love on them. And again, I want to say, as I said last week, Brett's one of the most gifted young men I've ever met. I mean, just so, so incredibly gifted. It's been an honor and privilege for me to serve alongside of him. And so I just want you to continue to pray for them and just Reach out, just encourage them as, as they go a separate way. Love you guys. Hope you have a great uh, holiday weekend. You know, a lot of people ask me on these three-day weekends, what are you, you going to do on the three-day weekend? I said, well, I got to work on Sunday. I got to work on Sunday. But there's no place I'd rather be than right here with the church family. So I love you guys. If you do get a chance to travel, please be careful and just love on people as we go through our journey. Love you guys. Let's close out with a song.